Wanna go, pretty boy? Two minutes by yourself and you feel shame, you know, and then you get free. Anything better than a glass of beer is tea with Miss McGill. Oh. <laughs> and welcome to the Fourth Line Voice Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 119 of the Big Show, some enforcer-based podcasting coming at you, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. There it is. After a long day hot folks i'm telling you it uh, i'm looking at my little computer 32 right now so if you're hearing fans blowing in the background uh that's too bad you're gonna have to put up with it because uh yeah she is warm out there heat wave sweating sweating hold on okay well a little different normally i hate to uh let down some of the listeners but um, as, as regular listeners will know uh, around here, Wednesday is interview day, and then Sunday is the Sunday Shit Show Rant episode, which I will point out, thank you to everybody out there listening, uh, was ranked, uh, hold on here, what was it? According to Chartables, here it is, uh, out of the Canada Hockey Podcast, the fourth line voice, number 43, Number 44, the NHL, the rink. So there we go, the people have spoken. The fourth line voice is ahead of the NHL, if only for one day. And for all those podcast guys, listen, what I know the charitable things is a work and whatever. But nonetheless, that made me smile. I laughed when I saw that. But it also means... And I, I, like I said, I know the charitable thing. You can poke holes in it till the cows come home, and it's not a real accurate representation. But it does. The fact that I'm even listed on those obviously means people are listening, and which means you. And uh, in all seriousness, I greatly appreciate everybody's support in this last uh, couple years doing this, and especially since I've got on the on the network. Um, it's it's been a lot of fun, and. Uh, and yeah, and like I said, I do this for you guys. Um, and uh, yeah, it's and I got uh, I have some ex- I got some. Jeez, hold on. I have some exciting guests uh, coming up here in the dog days of summer. Um, as the I know as the playoffs have rolled on here, um, you know people have obviously been preoccupied, and of course now with. With school out and everything, I mean, people are going to be heading to the lakes and everything else. I know today was my wife's last day, because of course she's a grad, teacher's grade one, so uh, she was just cleaning up her classroom today, and she should be home in a couple hours, and uh, I'm sure the wine and assorted booze will be getting cracked, and uh, another summer holidays, and um, obviously the people that have kids, and, oh, and just in, obviously the world in general with what we've gone through here with the pandemic over the last year. 
Uh, school has been especially grinding. For those with kids, you'll understand, obviously. And uh, so for the to the teachers, I salute you. Uh, you guys had to do a lot of shit this year. And uh, to the students, um, you know, and like she said, she teaches great ones to these little six-year-olds. But they were troopers. They put on their masks and away they went. Didn't complain. Uh, you know, and I think kids that age, they don't give a shit, right? They're just happy to be there and see their friends and be out in the playground and whatever. So they, uh, you know, I think it's the adults that get worked up about all this shit. But, um, no, it was a tough year for everybody, obviously. And, uh, you know, living living with, uh, with a teacher, um, I know what they went through and... Uh, and everything, and uh, the fear, and uh, and also trying to obviously educate the children, and uh, so to all of you, to any teachers listening out there, thank you, and uh, enjoy your summer here for the next couple of months anyway, and uh, but yes, so in saying all that, obviously uh, I I was gonna get a hold of a I had a we kind of talked back and forth. And then uh, I canceled last night because uh, it's just, it's way too hot. And uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure when my wife gets home, she'll want to have a nap for a second. And then uh, I'm going to take her out for supper and do all that. I mean, and hey, and I just got my check from the network, the Hockey Podcast Network. I got on PayPal. I saw that I got paid. So, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really spoil her today. I'm uh, probably extra cheese, extra bacon, I'm thinking. And maybe a little stop at the Dollarama. Maybe go over to aisle five, tell her to go nuts. It's a cart day, not a basket day at the Dollarama. I got that kind of cash. I can throw it around. So, you know, big, big, big evening planned here tonight. So in saying all that, uh, probably not have, I won't have a guest tonight. And uh, so you're just, you're going to be stuck with me on back on a bunch of days here. But um, nonetheless, I think, like I said, hang with me here in the summer. Um, I'm going to have, I have some really cool guests. I've been talking to the boys, um, a couple dudes that have never done podcasts before that trust me, you guys will really dig it. And you UK fans will really dig it. And, uh, no, it'll be a lot of fun. And I got a few, hopefully former NHL guys coming on and, uh, it'll be a really fun summer, you know, cause with nothing, hockey going, I mean the draft and whatever, but eh, you know, what is that? It's one day, big deal. But, uh, through the dog days of summer, I will I will get you through it. Stick with me. So subscribe to the channel, whatever platform you're listening to. If you could also, while you're there, could you rate and review my show? It helps me out in the ratings or in the searches or whatever. I'm told to say that because apparently it helps me out. But, I mean, you're there anyway. But, really, if you could do that, just rate and review my show. I'd be greatly appreciated. If you happen to be on social media, my first question to you is why. But, second, if you're going to put yourself through that torture... Hey, Fourth Line Voice on Twitter as well. Fourth Line Voice on Facebook. Check it out. Also, the Enforcer Appreciation Group, the Hockey's Fights, Hits, and Brawls page. Get on there. They're sort of like, it's it's an old message board kind of theme. Yeah, there's a few goofs on there, but overall there's some cool pictures and guys share some cool videos and stuff like that. So definitely check that out. Speaking of video, um, yeah, Fourth Line, again, a lot of fourth line voice on this show. The fourth line voice YouTube channel, over 2,500 fights. Check it out. I'm periodic. I try to upload, 
you know, 10, 15 fights a week just to keep you guys entertained. But nonetheless, there's 2,500 fights on there. They're all sorted. Whatever league you're looking for, go to the little search engine, AHL, NHL, OHL, WHL, MOUSE, whatever you want to see. Boom, boom, boom. Up the cop. Um, I just put up some Little John fights, some Terry Ryan. Terry Ryan on the, on the Fight Stories podcast tells a story about Frank Bylos and the strip club and everything else. And he talks about fighting Frank Bylos. Well, that fight is on my YouTube channel. And uh, definitely check that out. I put some Terry Terry's fights up there. Uh, actually, I have a lot of Terry Ryan fights on my channel. Um, but yeah, what did I say? Frank Littlejohn. Uh, ah, who else did I put up there? Darcy Harris. If you guys don't know who Darcy Harris, played a couple years at the Kitchener Rangers in the OHL, then a few years in Fredericton, and then uh, got out. He's a school teacher now in the Maritimes. But bad dude, man. Throws with some bad intentions. Definitely check some of his fights out that I put up. You guys will be, you guys will dig it. Um, a really good Ryan Hat. Oh, some Curtis Tidbull, uh, Quebec Junior fights. Not LNH, but Quebec Juniors when he played for the Ramparts. Really great fight with Ryan Hand. Another good one with Marc Andre Waugh. Um, yeah, on and on. Definitely check it out. You guys will dig it. As I said, I'm a member of the Hockey Podcast Network. There are over 50 shows in the network. All the NHL teams are represented, so whatever team you're a fan of, there's a show for you. I don't know. I don't know during the off season how busy they're going to be. I think some shows might shut down while the off season's on, or they might do a draft show or like oh our free agents or whatever. But anyway, check that out. Also, myself and like I said, Terry Ryan. Number of different shows are on the network: mental health shows, analytics shows. Like I said, they're really trying to uh, cover the run the gamut of of the uh, of the hockey business. And, of course, I fall under the, the meatball category, the fight show, whatever you want to call me. Yeah, number 43. One step ahead of the NHL, as always. But uh, <laughs> I might actually seriously like little do a little frame of that picture. So it might never happen again, but it made me laugh that time. No, I'm just kidding. But it was funny. Also, while it's... Here, we gotta, we'll bring it down a little bit. we got to talk softly because... Joe's in mourning right now. Joe Lazito over at the Coliseum Chronicles, an enforcer-based podcast. Um, Roman Endure, I believe, is his next guest. I think I saw a preview for that. He has it hadn't kind it has not been uploaded yet, but it's coming. And I believe they're going to talk about the Islanders that he played against and fought. He did that last week with Kev, Kevin Kaminsky. But Joe's back catalog is tremendous. Mick Fakoda, Eric Bolton, Jason Strugwick, Asham, on and on. Joe does a great job, but. Uh, course with the islanders losing unfortunately uh you know joe's in mourning yeah so joe's in mourning um the only the only clothing he is offering right now is in black through his merchandise check out joe's merch coffee mugs pens hats t-shirts yoga pants sweatpants like i said you can sit on joe's face yeah, Joe's going to have to do some uh, yoga out in the park here uh, for the next couple, you know, find find his zen. His He's got to center himself after a grinding hockey, a grueling hockey season. I mean, you know, I uh, I tried talking to him. And uh, I last time I saw Joe, last time I saw Joe this upset was when Milbury left New York. So, you know, so I think we all just give Joe some space. And, uh, you know, he'll bounce back. He always does. But definitely check out Joe's show. You'll dig it. 
Now, well, the other the other uh, couple cats that I like to talk about, Dan, Paul, and Kelly at the Bay of the Puck show, even despite, yeah, I got a little heat with Dan right now, fighting on Twitter with him. Not really. But uh, definitely check out their show, and then uh, Fred and Dave over at the Slewfoot show. A couple current shows for you to check out. I'm not even going to say it today. It's too hot to go into all that. But... Where do we start? Like I said, it's, uh, it's, I'm now, I'm recording at two parts. It's like 10 to 8 tonight, and it still feels like 36 out. What are we doing here? Oh, I shouldn't complain. Like I said, next thing you know, there'll be snow on the ground. So we had, in, here in Saskatchewan, we got to enjoy our two and a half, two and a half months of heat. So, um, but, um, where was I going to go? I mean, I, I don't know. I could talk about the playoff stuff and whatever. Um, but what I am going to do is I asked about, like I said, the uh, lists. You guys are really into lists. So I asked around. Somebody sent me a list for tonight's show. And Alec, over at the Five for Fighting show, uh, numbers, number 71 in the nation, despite not being on the air for like five months, that's how much clout that guy's got, Um sent me a list of the top 10 Montreal Canadiens enforcers of all time. So that's very topical, seeing as Montreal's in the final. So why not? Let's do the list of the Habs. You know, and what a history that team has. So again, as always with these lists, Alex sent me the link. I did not check the link. I'm trusting that it's a worthwhile list, or he wouldn't have said, well, put a little trust in some outlaw mud show. I don't know, but we'll see. We'll see how his list is, but I have not looked at it, so... We will check it out, and uh, that way we get an honest reaction on the air. And uh, but, like I said, Montreal with the rich history it could be could be an interesting list. Looking forward to going through it, and I think that's kind of what we'll do here. I mean, like I said, we won't I won't keep you very long today. It's too hot. No one wants to listen to me in this heat. But uh, so I won't talk about the playoffs. Um, the only well, the only thing I will say is. Uh, Who's the deal with the Tampa? Was it Sergachev or whatever? And Gallagher mixing it up. <clears throat> and Gallagher went down and uh, cut his head open on the ice and everyone's crying about it. Think he did it on purpose. Like, uh, okay. Like, no, he didn't. If you think that that guy did that on purpose, you're high. Like, it was just... Or you're just a typical Montreal idiot. But like Bruce Arthur, of course, the media guy. Oh, that could have been real bad. And he does, of course, the slow-mo of the guy hitting the ice. Oh, okay. Well, every hit and fight could be really bad, too. You know, like I said, the other day a co-worker was coming down a ladder and missed the last rung. Should we have phoned up uh, health and safety? And that could have been real bad. Oh, not, now we're being outraged over could-haves. Oh, okay. Well, maybe Gallagher being 5'8 and 32 pounds maybe shouldn't go into a scrum and, and start grabbing people. That's what happens when he's trying to do the judo hip toss. It doesn't really work when the guy weighs 50 pounds more than you do and just slams you straight down. It's like, oh, well, Gallagher's a goof anyway. But it's like, I will say, and, I, and it was pointed out, I laughed old uh, on Twitter, old baghead, the Toronto, the Toronto Maple Leafs fan that always shits all over the new age guys. And uh, with the new, on the new Leafs, when well, he shows a picture of the, Gallagher sitting there bleeding and then Austin Matthews in the scrum laughing and he's like yeah you see the difference one's in the final the other one's in the golf course 
<clears throat> and it's the same thing. I mean, any longtime listener of this show knows that I talked about the whole Matthews giggling in piles and everybody thought, all these Leaf fans at the time thought it was so cool, you know. <clears throat> yeah, well, there you go. I mean, as much as I think Gallagher's a little goof, I, I never, he's a good player and everything. I, I never liked Gallagher when him and uh, Jim Kite got into a little verbal disagreement on Twitter and Gallagher smarted off and it was like, he just looked like a goof. So I've, I lost, I was just like, yeah, you're a clown. <clears throat> but, uh, yeah, anybody that thinks that was on purpose is, oh, they should suspend it for the season. And, oh, fuck. You know, oh, typical, I love that one, typical Tampa Bay and their dirty tactics. Oh, yeah, Tampa Bay, yeah, Tampa Bay just, oh, yeah, real Saturday night. Uh, yeah, it's a real uh, Thunder Bay Bombers lineup out there. Oh, yeah, Who, who's scary on Tampa again? I forget. Somebody remind me. Don't everybody yell Maroon at the same time. I know Lando Lakes down there is yelling about Pat Maroon. And I like, and I kind of shit on Pat Maroon last episode. And I mean, I like Maroon and everything, but fuck, really? Like, who who's scared of Pat Maroon? Come on. You know. But I mean, you know, hey, the guy's got jam and he's going to, he's, he's probably going to, and like, I think Tampa Bay is going to just walk through Montreal. You know, so I mean, was that three rings for Maroon and... I mean, you can't argue with success, right? At the end of the day, and he's been a real good, a real good uh, fit down there. And like I said, uh, and I don't always say, yeah, you win with those guys without a doubt. Uh, gritty dude that can, uh, you know, play a little bit, and you know, if somebody wants to fight, he'll fight. And uh, you know, so I mean, when I throw out Maroon's name, I, I don't mean it in a disparaging way, although it sounds like it when I shit on him, but. Not really shitting on him. I'm just like this idea that everyone that Tampa Bay is so badass and everyone's scared of him is sort of laughable to me. But you know, as I'm playing, as I was just uh, uploading the uh, 94, 95 Albany River Rats with like Olawad, Kale Hulse, and Kimball and Bertrand and all these guys, and yeah, then I got to read about how badass Tampa Bay is. 2021 Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, yeah, it doesn't it doesn't really translate for me, but. Regardless, uh, yeah, we'll see how that series plays out, but I'm sure I'll be ranting and raving about it on Sunday's episode, but, uh, um, yeah, let's get to this list. Hey, you know, like I said, it's too hot. People don't want to, people don't want to be sitting. Are you sitting in front of your radio right now? Probably not. It's a little old timey for some people driving in your car, listening to it. Oh, AC's on. All right, Alec, where's your list here? Let's see. What website is this? Oh, it must be a blogger. From November 1st, 2020. All right, so it's fairly current. JDLagrange.com. All right. Would it be Lagrange? Lagrange? Okay. Let's see what he has to say here. Top 10 fighters in Montreal Canadiens history. <clears throat> Over the years, NHL is trying to get away from it, likely due to a liability issue, blah, blah, blah. By limiting fights, they're hoping that it will show due diligence on their part. But what about the game itself? While the league is washing their hands and saying the right things to avoid legal recourse, it doesn't make it safer for the players in the league. The documentary I strongly everyone I, I strong the documentary I strongly everyone to watch. Ice Guardian. On ice enforcers struggle to race through the professional rank. Yes, 
Ice Guardians. I'm assuming everyone listening to this show has seen Ice Guardians by Adam Scorgi. It is very good. If you have not, definitely check it out. It's on Netflix and stuff. It is my opinion that the instigator rule is killing the game that I love by allowing rats to run and ruin the show. They, along with subpar refereeing and a player safety that is all but that, are is that is all but that are huge contributors, making players more exposed and vulnerable than ever. I was kind of with you. The player safety thing, I'm I'm sort of like I, I like I've always said with player safety, I'm not really sure what people want. Um, because, like I said, with, with all these diehard idiots that yell, to yell and scream that this guy should get ten games, fifteen games, and blah 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 blah, everything they'll yell that until all of a sudden it's on their team, and then all of a sudden if somebody got uh, a ten games, oh what the fuck, you know, yeah, it's always easy to yell and scream when you have no concern about it. Um, I don't know. To me, like just some of these, it's. It, I. I mean, I, again, it goes back to it doesn't transfer for me. I guess it's old school mentality. I see these hits and shit. The shitting worth fifteen games. Okay, a couple, whatever. But I said nowadays you got guys putting themselves in vulnerable positions a lot of times, either turning into the boards or they all skate with their heads down because they're so used to not getting hit. Now I'm not saying that's right or wrong. Well, I'm not saying the hit it, it should be on the hitter. I'm not saying targeting the head, but I said at the same time, these guys see a hit come and they crouch down and whatever and get, well, then the guy gets hit and it's targeting the head. Well, when he's 6'2 and he crouched down to 5'8, that's not targeting the head. Like, um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess with Peros, I'm not trying to stick up for George, because like I said, you guys all shit on Peros. You shit on Shanahan too, so. You know, and then I see old Korea and them. Oh, we should make him player safety. Oh, yeah, okay. You know, so it's, player safety is never is always going to take shit no matter what they do. Either it'll be too extreme or it's too light or they don't do anything. I think at the end of the day, and I think this is this is just me spitballing, and this is where I think Peros runs into trouble, is he's trying to allow, like he's still got the player mentality where I'm pretty sure, and this is just me speculating, that he wants the players to solve things themselves. Unfortunately, with the mindset of today's players and the rules of today's game, you really can't. And that's where it goes to that instigator. I fully agree. Um, Especially this whole horse shit about instigating in the third period and all this stuff and it's suspension. See, that's where it's, that rule is ridiculous. If you wanted to have the instigator rule and it's two and five and a ten minute misconduct, whatever, it's that instigator where it's a suspension. That's the stupid one. And um, I, 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 I used to think it was in the last ten, five minutes or ten minutes, but I actually think it's the whole third period now, I believe, which is just moronic. Um, and I think it, and and I, and I believe it leads to this shit, you know, and um, but. So I'm I'm sort of with that guy on that part. Um, by protecting itself, tying the player, it's like the league by protecting itself is tying the players' hands behind their backs and allowing cheap shot artists to take shots without being held accountable for their actions. Well, there you go. That's JD. You were correct. And like I've always said, I said it's a league um, where there is a. There is an absence. There is an absence of consequence. There are no consequences. 
And this is what leads to this. Okay, Habs all-time best. That's one of the original 16s Montreal Canadiens have had their fair share of enforcers throughout the years. Let's break down the most storied franchise in the NHL and its best enforcers to ever, ever wear the red, white, and blue. But first, allow me to make an exception by eliminating one of the most feared enforcers of all time, George LaRock. LaRock was an undisputed heavyweight for years and I was thrilled when the Canadians signed him. He was feared by everyone having dropped the gloves with him. In two seasons in Montreal, he appeared in 51 regular season games and had 13 fights. But Canadians didn't get the player that they were looking for. LaRock thought it was a, thought he was a hockey player and when enforcers changed their game, they became use, and when enforcers changed their game, they become useless. The joke in Montreal was that he was sending faxes to opponents asking them if they wanted to fight. Yeah, that's, I've always said many times that George was too nice. And that whole good luck buddy before the game, or before the fight, I mean, as it makes a, a sound bite that everyone loves, and how they loved it so much they even used it, and hell, he even said it in the movie Goon, it was like, yeah, it was just, why, you know, but, so, JD, you and I are on the right, uh, on the right path right now, because I, I would have George the Rock in the top ten of all time, for sure, but... And then, uh, as it came out later in Montreal, he was pretty beat up. Shoulders were pretty beat up. And, uh, yeah, just lost the passion for it. But here we go. Number 10, Doug Risebrow. Oh, all right. Played for the Canadians eight seasons. I didn't realize he had been there, was there that long. He was tough checking forward, and, may, and many in my generation remember he, he is the pivot on the Habs energy line of the 70s with Lambert and Tremblay. The scrappy Risebrow was an agitator who was perfectly willing to fight. Despite his size, he would take on all, all comers. Schultz, Jonathan, Schofield, or pardon me, Schoenfeld, were among the players he fought. Um, to be completely honest, I'm, I'm not going to lie. and uh, I I don't know much about Risebrow. I remember him um, I remember him being dirty. I remember the one, I can't remember who it was, he picked up his, blew his nose in the guy's jersey. Or did he... Or was it in the penalty box and he like shredded the guy's jersey with his skates? Maybe that was it in Edmonton. Like I remember him in Calgary. Um, I don't, uh, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure on all my fight DVDs and whatever I have Risebrow fighting, but yeah, he just, um, honestly, I don't, I don't, I can't point to any of these fights or any fights of his that stand out in my mind. So I'm certainly not going to argue with this. This guy obviously seems to be a Montreal diehard. So, uh, uh, you know, we'll see. Uh, all right. Number nine, Sheldon Surrey. Surrey was a talented defenseman with a booming shot. Uh, Montreal, he was often injured, most notably with a bad wrist because of that. He wasn't supposed to fight a lot, but when he did, watch out. Guy could throw them with the best in the business. And he made many enforcers look bad while with the Canadians. Um, yeah, I always liked Sheldon. I was a big Sheldon Surrey fan. I like Surrey, big dude. Like this guy said, injured a lot. Unfortunately, he had a great talent. It's too bad that he was hurt a lot. Um, I think he had that one big year, though, in, in, like, I think he had his biggest year in Montreal. He had, like, 20-some goals, I believe, one year. Um, but, yeah, when he fought, tough dude. Like I said, busted up Darren McCarty there in the picture. And, uh, uh, yeah. Number eight, Donald Brashear. Interesting. I hesitated putting Brashear on the list. Well, with the Canadians, his fights were mostly grappling with opponents and staying in tight with useless punches behind their helmets. I do believe that he would have ranked much higher had he stayed in Montreal longer because he became a better enforcer after he was traded. 
Yes, indeed, he did. Played 111 season games, first four years in the league with Montreal. It was only 95-96 that we saw him get a chance to play in a significant number of games during those 67 regular season games. Uh, according to HockeyFights.com, he had 22 fights. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's like anything with Brashear, right? Uh, you know, they get get better as the um, as, as your career goes on. And, uh, yeah, he was just a young guy coming up in Montreal. And, uh, yeah, he looked a little rough at times. It's funny because I've been going through these Fredericton Canadian DVDs and he's on there a little bit, and same thing takes a few uh, takes a few kickins, and uh, you know from Simon and stuff, and by Lois, and but um, yeah, but a big dude, and he certainly uh, figured it all out. But uh, I'm JD, I'm digging your list here. I, I like how you're, I like how he's reasoning through it, and where his headspace is at. Because I mean, he could have been well, number one, The Rock, number two, Brashear, and you know, because of their whole body of their career. But he's going through with their the actual their Montreal time, which I like. Number seven, Lyle Odeline. There we go. Lyle was a tough physical def- defenseman. He spent his first seven years of his career in Montreal and fought when he had to. He was also a good stay-at-home D-man. Odeline wasn't your typical heavyweight, but he had no fear. It's very true. He faces several true heavyweights during his time with the Canadians. Prowert, Simon, Brown, McSorley, and Hunter, amongst others. Yeah, um, that was the thing. Lyle, Lyle never backed down and uh, not the biggest guy. Like I said, met him a couple times and... Yeah, he's maybe 5'10", 5'11", 200 pounds. Like, he's pretty skinny. He was in shape, but, like, pretty, you know, he wasn't a big guy. Um, and, like I said, took on all the heavyweights. And, uh, yeah, did it a long time. And um, certainly fearless. And uh, <clears throat> hell of a career. Uh, dude had to have played a 1,000 games, I would think. Because, I mean, I'm just, because this guy, you know, seven seasons in Montreal. And then where did he, you know, was it New Jersey and Florida? And, <clears throat> yeah. No, Lyle, uh. No, I agree. And actually, it was funny because, uh, like, growing up at the time, um, like, when I, we hated, I hated Odeline when he was in Montreal. I couldn't stand him. And it's it's funny, like, everything, right, as you get older and time and whatever. I've learned, I, mean, <clears throat> I always appreciated the tough guy regardless, even back then. But I just, you know, the, I always say there were so many of them, right, that you could actually pick favorites and I like this guy I don't like that guy I mean nowadays I feel bad because there's so few it's like ah shit gotta like them all you know but uh, back then you could be you could be uh, selective but uh, no it was never an old line fan and uh, and again it came down to the fight DVDs and uh, you know playing um, um, playing an assorted DVD and uh, and it just um he was on there a bunch of times and I started watching him. I'm like, yeah, shit, this guy ain't bad. You know, a lot better than I remembered it. So, yeah. Lyle, number seven, digging it. Number six, Shane Corson. Oh, there you go. Shane Corson spent six seasons in Montreal. Uh, was a typical power forward. He could skate, he could hit, power through the defense, and he could fight. Corson wasn't as big as most of the guys he fought, but he had no fear. Dropped the gloves against anyone challenging him, no matter what their name or reputation was. Won some, lost some, but he was right in there every time. Completely agree. Um, yeah, of course, a great power forward. Again, another guy I didn't really like um, until I over through the message boards and everything else. Uh, I met a, a, a cat named Chris in Regina. Corson27 on the fight boards, as people remember. Chris, if you're listening, I hope you're doing good. Get a hold of me, man. Long time. But uh, he was a big Corson guy, and he ended up making uh, a really good player DVD, of course, and two DVD set. And... Uh, 
yeah, after going through that, I, I, I my appreciation um, for Corson uh, really, you know, I, I really started to uh, to get to get into it. I dig it, man. No, I'm down with Shane Corson for sure. Number five, Larry Robinson. Mm, all right, JD, you and I got issues now. <laughs> Let's see what you got here. <clears throat> it feels a little bit weird to put Larry Robinson into a forcer category. It is weird. He was one of the greatest defensemen to ever play. Yep. He was tough defensively, offensive force, and he could fight. Mm, could he? The one they nicknamed Big Bird didn't fight a lot, but when he did, everyone noticed. The big man with a ton of reach, and he could and did take on some of the, on the best fighters in his era. It was too valuable to spend time fighting, but he would, on occasion, drop the gloves to make a point, help a teammate, or protect Cam Dryden and the other Canadian goalies. A good comparative today would be Chara or Shea Weber. <clears throat> okay. So I hit a little pause there, and because I wanted to look this up, because I didn't believe uh, but Larry Robinson. So I went and let's look at his fight card. First of all, add him up. Um, hold on, I got to hit something here. Okay, just looked up thirteen hundred career games, twenty four career fights. Uh, yeah. So I mean, I always have a hard time with this. Um, not knocking Larry as a hit player, obviously a Hall of Fame player. I'm not. This, we're just focusing on the fighting part now. Um, I think everybody gets way too wrapped up in the Dave Schultz fight. Um, it's funny, he, in this article, he includes the YouTube uh, clip of the fight. I Everybody listening, I mean, because as soon as you mention Larry Robinson, the fight, oh, you destroyed Schultz. Everyone loves to throw that around. You go watch the fight. Really? Like, that's... Like I said, I know people love to put the hyperbole on everything and the exaggeration and not destroyed, really. I mean, it's a couple side punches, pulls them down and then gets up first and like hit punches them a few times. Like, destroyed? Are we serious? Like, I don't know. But it, yeah, it's interesting to compare him to Chara because this is the exact argument I have about Chara too. Everyone has, I, where did this myth begin that Chara is this big bad heavyweight? Like, I'm not even like go back and check out my back catalog. I, I break down the whole, I break down all of Chara's fights, and it's like, a, as, as I'm fond of saying on here, a bunch of nothing. Again, tough enough guy for, and he's a Hall of Fame player, all that. But this idea that Chara is just a conqueror of man is like no. It's interesting as I'm looking up this Schultz thing. Is that, uh, yeah. They get that's that's Larry Robinson's first NHL fight was against was the Schultz fight. Well, that's interesting. Maybe that's another reason why Montreal fans got so excited. But okay, so he fought all these. So Schultz, Howitt, Seleski, yeah, for the in his first year. Then Butler, Ted Irvine, Bob Murdoch, Darcy Rhoda, Tracy Pratt, Bobby Schmutz, Ken Hodge, Brian Spencer, Brian Sutter, Kevin McCarthy, Dale Hunter, Wilf Paymont, Gary Risling, Michelle Goulet. Mike Milbury, like, are these names that are striking fear into anybody? Not me. And then, although I, his very last fight was in 91-92 against Sean Cronin. How the hell does Sean Cronin end up fighting, uh, like, a 40-year-old Larry Robinson at that point? That's funny. I'll have to go find that on YouTube. <clears throat> yeah, so, again, like, are we, you know, are we seriously putting them in front of, like, Old Line and Brashear and, and all these guys that fought on the regular? For a guy that, that literally averaged one fight a year and against a bunch of nobodies. Like his biggest fight of his career was his very first one with Schultz. 
And then after that, it's a bunch of middleweight guys. You know, so, I mean, does that make you a big enforcer? Well, no one's calling Robinson an enforcer, so I'm really, you know. But even then, I'm like, you know, that's like the whole Gordy Howe thing. Everybody goes on about how tough Gordy was. Guy had 22 fight, like, guy averaged one fight a year. And then now all the old people, oh, people were scared of him. Like, oh, give me a break. People were scared of him. I said, by that logic, then no one was scared of Twist and Probert because they had 200 and some fights. Like, really? Like, uh, yeah. So, JD, I don't agree with you on the Larry Robinson thing. Obviously, tremendous player, Hall of Fame talent. I like Larry and everything. Hell, I got a, I got a private Hall of Fame pass from Larry Robinson here. No shit, I'll take a picture of it sometime for you guys. Um, but no, not on this list. Number four, Pierre Bouchard. Well, there you go. Pierre Bouchard was the, was the son of Hall of Famer Butch Bouchard, who was his, who has his number three retired by the Canadians. In a survey of the best tough guys of the first hundred years of the Montreal Canadiens, in finished third in voting, Bouchard was fourth or fifth defenseman on the Montreal Canadiens. Legendary dynasties of the 70s. His willingness to take on anyone, including Schultz, Cashman, made up for the fact that he didn't fight a lot. Unfortunately for him, people remember him more for his loss to Stan Jonathan. But he was a tough guy. He was the tough guy prior to Nyland joining the team. Again, I'll be completely honest. Um, of course, yeah, obviously everyone's seen the Bouchard-Jonathan um, fight. Um, I believe I've seen the Cashman fight as well. Um so I will definitely take this guy's word for it. He's obviously a Montreal guy. I'm not going to argue with that one. Um, I, like I said, I didn't see enough of Bouchard to to comment yay or nay. But, um, you know, there we go. Now for the top three. John Cordick. Well, there you go. Cordick's story is a sad one. He made his NHL debut with the Canadians at the end of the 85-86 season. Ended up playing in 18 of the Habs, 20 playoff games that year. When they went all the way to win the Stanley Cup, Cordick was brought in to provide Chris Nyland was brought in to provide Chris N- Okay, he didn't finish that sentence. In a somewhat surprising event, Cordick was traded to Toronto for Russ Cortnell. On a hawk from a hockey standpoint, the Habs won that trade but lost their enforcer. Cordick threw punches with both hands and caught many off guard with his style. Uh, Mario Tremblay once described Cordick as a specimen of fitness ripped and toned. August 8th, 1992, after an overdosing on drugs and being involved in a struggle with the police uh, in Quebec, Cordic died of lung failure due to a heart malfunction. He was only 27. Man, that's hard to believe that John Cordic was only 27. But yeah, he was a big dude, man. Um, yeah, everybody's seen those pictures when he's in the gym lifting weights there with his shirt off and stuff. Yeah, big cat. And uh, yeah, I was a huge Rambo fan. And um, yeah, I mean, it, you know, him and Jay Miller and with, you know, all those great rivalries, and, um, yeah, I was a huge Cordic guy, and, uh, yeah, I could definitely see him up here, I know he made, he definitely made a splash, um, when he first came up, and, uh, and I've always said with Cordic, far, far better player than people, people realize, um, he was a defenseman with the Portland Winterhawks in the Western Hockey League, he was WH All-Star, you know, and, uh, yeah, really solid player that, unfortunately, um, you never got to see in the NHL, and, uh, you know, when you read his book and everything else, but you could see it definitely, you know, um, he, he wanted to play a little bit. And, uh, you know, he just kind of got put in that role. And, um, I mean, and he accepted it full on. I mean, you know, he did a great job at it. But, uh, 
yeah, it's unfortunate with the drugs and everything else that he got involved in. It would have been, it would have been really cool to see, um, you know, Cordic play, you know, drug free and, and, and play a full career, what he could have done, um, you know, with his head on straight and everything. Yeah. But, uh, John Cordic, number three, number two, well, Chris Nyland, there you go. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Nyland was one of the greatest fighters in NHL history. Um, yeah, I don't, I, yeah, I don't know about that. But great enforcer, for enforcer and fighter are completely different things. I always say, but um, I don't know how great of a fighter, fearless. But um, I don't know if I'd call him great at it. But uh, not that it will matter to you, the readers. But he is one of my all-time favorite Canadians. Fear, well. Fearless and uh, never never say die attitude. Drafted by the Habs, he spent nine seasons wearing number thirty. Pound for pound, Nyland is one of the toughest players to ever skate in the NHL. He was to Guy Lafleur what Semenko was to Gretzky. That's true. I've never actually thought of it that way, but yeah, he was. Uh, no, wait, that's not fair to Nyland, who was also a good hockey player. <laughs> okay, so we're shitting on Semenko then. Well, he was far. He was obviously a far better player than Semenko was. Nyland actually wasn't bad. He was Lafleur to what McSorley was to Gretzky. Okay. Um, when you hear someone say Knuckles, which hockey fan doesn't immediately think of Nyland? Chris didn't want to just be a fighter role. He truly enjoyed on and off the ice. In his last full three seasons in Montreal, he scored 15, 21, and 19 goals and led the league in penalties in the first two of those years. That's fine. I, didn't, I knew he scored 20 the one year. I didn't 15, 21, 19. There you go. Uh, Nyland was a good fighter as anyone who has filled the role of Montreal. What I remember most about him was watching him. If he didn't, if he didn't win a fight early in a game, you knew he would take that same player on later in the game and win the second one. A pitbull-like attitude. I strongly, strongly recommend reading his book, Fighting Back, the Chris Nyland story. I completely agree. That is a very good book. And, uh, and the movie, um, The Last Gladiator. Uh, no. Yeah, Last Gladiator. Was uh, I would definitely recommend watching that as well. It's on Netflix too. Definitely check that out. Number one, there you go, John Ferguson. <clears throat> John Ferguson was the best, most fearsome fighter of his era. By today's standards, he wasn't a big man for an enforcer. He was the NHL's undisputed heavyweight champion from the moment he entered the league in '63 until he left after Montreal Stanley Cup season in '70-71. He earned 67 fighting majors. In 500 regular season games. I didn't realize he didn't play for that long. Huh. Don't be mistaken. Ferguson was also a hockey player. His 20 goal, 42 point season. Were third on the team in 66. After expansion, he managed a career best. 29 goals in 68. Yeah, Ferguson could definitely play. Definitely a power forward. Um, there you have it. There you have it, folks. I, like many old school fans, miss enforcers in the NHL. Preach, brother, preach. When you talk to players, not the rats, they miss it too. These guys were amongst the most loved and respected by their teammates. They knew that enforcers had their backs. That's why I find it hypocritical when I hear Gretzky, who played his career protected by Semenko and McSorley, speaking against fighting in the NHL. If you see Guy Lafleur, ask him what Nyland represented on his team. And for him, and for himself on the ice, if he's honest, he'll tell you that Knuckles was a huge factor in his success. Um, yeah, Gretzky. Well, Gretzky's been hit and miss on the fight thing, but he has shit on it. You're right, um, and it is very hypocritical of those guys. Um, but yeah, there you go, JD. That was a that was a very solid list. Um, yeah, pretty much the same one I would have. 
give or take. Um, I wouldn't have, as I pointed out, I wouldn't have Larry Robinson on there. Um, probably I wouldn't have Doug Risebrow or Surrey. I probably would have had I would have Todd Ewan in there. Um, it's interesting. Who else? Uh, well, I would have Ewan in there for sure. Yeah, off the top of my head, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on Montreal Tough Guys right now. Huh. Um, I mean, they had Cummins and Langdon and, and all those guys, but those were kind of like once pressed and those were kind of like one-stop deals. You know, they weren't there for very long. Um, but anyway, Todd Ewan for sure was probably a noticeable absent. Um, but yeah, that was, that was a fun article. I appreciate, uh, Alec for sending me that list. That was a good one. Um, yeah, I re- like I said, I really enjoy doing the lists. I've, uh, I've, like, I've come to, uh, appreciate them. I used to kind of shit on them a lot, but, uh, you know, um, like I said, the proof is in the, the proof is in the ratings. As the, as, as honestly, the list episodes that I do, do better than others. So, uh, I don't know if it's just a slow news day and people decided to tune in and it just by happenstance turns out to be the list ones. But, uh, regardless, um, I think what I'm going to do, um, I know the LNH list that I did really, really got a lot of attention because I had done that on the forums. I had asked people to send me lists and it was a viewer or listener, um, selected. And I think what I'm going to do here, as soon as I'm done hitting record here, I'm going to go on the, on Facebook and on social media, on Facebook and Twitter, and, uh, ask everybody to send me their lists of their top 10 all-time fighters. And privately, cause I don't want people skewed by reading other people's stuff. Everybody send it to me privately and I'll add up the numbers and maybe on Sunday we can do a, a, a listener and viewer, um, I guess not, you're not viewing anything, but a listener and social media uh, voting for the all-time top 10 fighters. That might be interesting, but, uh, yeah, I'll throw that up as soon as I hit, uh, hit stop here. But, uh, anyway, guys, uh, like I said, sorry that today was an interview. Um, yeah, it was just, uh, it was just a real hot day. And, uh, I, I was, I, I fell asleep for like four hours in front of the air conditioner after I recorded part, the first part of this, but, uh, yeah, just too hot. And, um, like I said, well, I'll, I'll, don't worry. There'll be interviews coming. I have, I'm certainly not, uh, you know, oh, I'm just going to be a list show from now on. For like high fidelity, top five. Um, that's, oh man, that's what, see, I love the high fidelity. I, I should have, that's what I should have done. Top fives. Oh, well, too late now. <laughs> but, um, anyway, enough of me yapping. Let's go, uh, maybe let's go get a popsicle or something. Jesus. But, uh, this is when you need a kiddie pool. But thank you everybody for tuning in once again. Check me out on social media, Fourth Line Voice on Twitter and Facebook, as well as Fourth Line Voice YouTube channel. Subscribe to it, hit the notification, that way you won't miss a single punch. And uh, thank you again everybody for tuning in. And uh, if you're watching the playoffs, hopefully your team is winning. Um, I won't be watching, so let me know how things turn out. But uh, until then, we will talk to you guys on Sunday. Thanks everybody. And you people that don't like fighting, how many of you did you walk out and get a coffee while that was on?